Lord, we pray that as we gather around your word, that just as you've spoken to people through it down the centuries, so you would speak to us again this morning. And we ask this in Jesus' name and in the power of the Spirit. Amen. We were trying to think a little bit uh, last week about what's, what's different about uh, the way in which uh, Christians love. What is this call to holiness, this uh, being set apart, being made different, be able to people to, to see and, and say there's something different about the way in which Christians function? What does it mean to be holy and what does it mean to be loving now we know, don't we, that uh, there's love all around us. I don't remember the 2003 film Love Actually, and it uh, starts by that uh, observation that love actually is all around us, and it takes you to the, uh, the arrivals hall at Heathrow Airport, and it shows you the way in which people love and greet one another. And the film makes clear that there is love in all sorts of shapes and sizes, flourishing and blessing and being wonderful. Christians certainly do not have a sort of monopoly or a prerogative over what it means to love. It is there, of course, in people all around us, people of other faiths and of none. Lots and lots of good examples of healthy, loving, life-giving uh, uh, relationships all around us. And as we think this morning particularly about uh, bringing up a child, uh, we wonder what is it that makes this particular love different and distinctive. After all, uh, Rebecca is a, a trained a nursery nurse and uh, she's worked here at Many Springers and she knows all about these really uh, good and, and wonderful things that those who work in the nursery do. And if anyone was like me, thinking that people who work in a nursery are, are just basically playing with the children, um, it's, it's, it's much more profound than that. Uh, all sorts of really uh, good things about diet and environment and emotional security and boundaries and developmental milestones and all these wonderful things. Our nursery staff here at the project are highly skilled and highly wonderful. So all this really precious love is going on all around us and it's right that we should celebrate it. Is there anything different about Christian family love? Is there anything special that marks it out as different? Well, I want to suggest that, that yes, there is, and it has a start, a middle, and an end. Firstly, we start. We start at a place of deep and profound esteem. Every child is loved, created by God. A little while ago, uh, I saw a, a Robert Winston program, you know, that talks about sort of children and their development. And uh, it gave ch a child, uh, lots of different children, a task. And at the end of them, at the end of the task, it gave them a pile of stars. One star, two stars, three stars. And when they'd done the task, it, the person said, now, tell me, using these stars, how, how well you did. And some children picked up one, and some children picked up two, and some children picked up three. Only one child 
Take them all up. Now you could say, oh, he's going to be a problem, isn't he, that one, aren't he? But actually, isn't that something wonderful there? Look, I've done really well. And, and when God looks at a child, when God looks at each one of us, he sees a beautiful creation. He sees somebody that is unique, that is, that is beyond words. You cannot sum up another human being, can you? Wherever they are in their lives, we begin from this place of esteem because God has given us esteem. And self-esteem is a wonderful thing. So for each and every child, in each and every family, it should be a place where our self-esteem is built up, not to produce arrogance or pride or stupidity, but to have that inner security that we are created and loved by God. And may God grant that Rebecca and Richard and, and their family is always a place that builds up. I know, we all know, that sometimes families are not. They are places that break down. And then you find people going through the rest of life trying to find the confidence and security and safety that they should have had at those moments. And it can be dangerous and destructive. But this is what makes, I think, begins the story of Christian family love being different. Because each child is a gift and loved and created. So each of us in the family of God is created and loved and redeemed, indwelt by the Holy Spirit. So if ever in our church family we find ourselves being somehow made less, we know that that is not of God. And if somebody is doing that, we need to gently but clearly call it out and say, no, that's, that's not on for you to make me feel less. Because God always wants me to feel bigger and stronger and safer and more confident and more at peace. So it starts from self-esteem because God has made us and then, of course, there's a middle. This journey that we are on. And uh, just thinking about uh, Amelia, but, but also our, all children, I think if I could encourage parents to do one thing, it would be to show that this journey means something to you that it matters to you. That it's not just, as it were, an added extra, something that we do uh, on a Sunday or, or something that we do at particular points in the year. This is something that makes you tick. If they can see that this is what enables you to cope, if this is what gives you <coughs> that security and that strength each day, if they can see that it makes a difference to you, it's what you trust in. In the, in the words of the psalm, we trust not in chariots and horses. Chariots and horses are very tempting to trust in because you can take for chariots and horses and substitute all sorts of other things. Cars and houses and jobs and qualification and money and reputation and status and all these things which play their part in life. 
And it's very easy. <clears throat> it's very easy to trust in those things, isn't it? How are you doing? And then we talk about what we do, what job we have, where we live. We immediately go to those things, don't we? Now, of course, we have to live in a house and for those working age need to work and so on. I know all these things have their part to play. But are those the things that make us tick? Are those the things that we go to for our confidence? Can the child, can in the family of God, can we see that ultimately there is something else that we trust in? And this little passage, which uh, comes right at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, <coughs> it gives us one very simple reason for trusting in Christ. And that is because it works. Chapters 5, 6 and 7 in Matthew are, are often called the Sermon on the Mount. And he goes up and he, he, he teaches such brilliant words that 2,000 years later we're still wrestling with them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek. About how adultery is, is not just what goes on there, it's what goes on here. About jealousy, about, about money, about worry, about all these amazing things. It's an incredible section. If you've not read it recently, read it. It takes just five minutes to read those three chapters. It will blow your mind. And then right at the end, he tells this little story about the wise and foolish builders. And if, if you went to Sunday school around about the same time as I did, doubtless you learned to tune about the rain came down. and Right, like that. It's great. It's great. But it, we shouldn't miss the point. Jesus is saying, look, this is the right way. This is God's way. This is the way I want you to live. But ultimately, this is the way that works. This is the way that will enable you to stand firm. Because actually life isn't always easy. And it does send you all sorts of difficulties and problems. And sometimes it does feel like you're in a gale and a storm. This holds firm. What makes us different? The way we love one another. We want people to know this because it works. Because it holds firm. So it starts with that sense of esteem given to us by God. It continues because this is the way. This is the way that works. This is the way that holds fast. And then, of course, it has an end. This little story that Jesus teaches and the stories that come immediately before it in the Sermon on the Mount remind us that life has an eternal perspective. That what happens now, the choices we make, the way that we choose, has a bearing on what will be hereafter. And as I mentioned, the, the Sermon on the Mount finishes with, with three remarkable little stories about a tree and its fruit and saying that the tree that bears no good fruit will be thrown into the fire that there is such a thing as a true and a false disciple. There are people who come to Jesus on the last day and say, Lord, Lord, did we not do these wonderful things? And Jesus says, get away, I never knew you. And then this story about the, the wise and foolish builders and one of the houses falls flat. This story 
reminds us that life has an eternal perspective. And it's not something to frighten ourselves with or even to frighten one another with. And I think in the past, churches have done a bit too much of that, trying somehow to frighten people into, into believing in Jesus and to following him. Jesus doesn't do that in the Gospels. He doesn't frighten people into following him. What he does is invite them into the kingdom of God now and in all eternity. And that whatever else the cross and the resurrection mean, it means that the grave need have no fear for those who follow him. So as we think about Amelia, we think about our children in our church fellowship, we think about one another. What is that we want for, for her and for them above all else? Yes, of course we want them to flourish and to do all sorts of wonderful things, uh, to climb trees and, and, and swim in rivers and all sorts of things like that. We want them to do all those things safely, okay, safely. But more than anything else, we want them to know Christ now and in all eternity. A beginning, a middle, and an end. This is what makes our love different. It begins because every child, every person is a gift from God and is uniquely esteemed. And so anything that knocks us down, that makes us feel less, is not of him. And our job is to help us to see who we are in him and to delight in that. And I hope every time you go out of St. Christopher's, you do feel just a tiny bit taller because you've been reminded of who you are in God. And then a middle, a journey, a journey with him, depending on him, knowing him, being with him. A journey we want everyone to go on because it's the right thing to do, but ultimately because it works. And other things don't. And then an end. An end when we rejoice that he knows us and we belong to him and we will be with him in eternity. Is this different? I hope it is. There's loads of love around and celebrate it wherever you can find it. But may God grant us that we love beginning, middle and end. Amen.